Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Music for a Book podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Britt. And I'm Hannah. And every two weeks, we read and review a book, assign a song to that book, draw the parallels between the two, and have some fun along the way. And this is our official welcome back to season two of the Music for a Book podcast. Yes. Happy Valentine's Day. We missed all of you. Yeah. We love all of you. Thank you for your support. We do have some exciting things for season two, though. We sure do. We um, we launched a Patreon. We did. So super excited about that. On our Patreon, right now, we just have one support level. So if you want to help monetarily support this podcast, we can continue to develop, upgrade, and bring you amazing content. And by amazing, we might be a little biased, but you know, we have fun with it. And we're releasing bonus episodes. There will be exclusive merch and a bunch of other fun stuff. So you can find that link in our bio on Instagram or just look us up Music for a Book podcast on Patreon. So we're very excited about that. Yes, if you're looking for a last minute Valentine's Day gift, perfect for your loved ones, for all your book lovers. So if you are just joining us for the first time, we are so happy to have you. If you are here from season one, thank you so, so much, like Hannah said, for supporting us and sticking with us. Just a little review, each of our seasons, 13 episodes, 13 for Taylor Swift. We are very much Swifties, very much Harry Styles fans. So a lot of our songs do fall within that kind of vein there. However, we have deviated quite a few times through season one so you can expect the same to probably happen through season two and yeah we are just super excited to get season two started yes we are excited for this first book we did pick a romance novel of course since our first episode of the season is releasing on valentine's day what better way to start off than a just so lovey-dovey tale so cute i'm excited to talk about this one me too so we chose a book that neither of us had really heard a whole lot about but we've seen recommended so we kind of went in blind and it is adorable can't wait for the rest of this episode but we chose the seven year slip by Ashley Poston. Yes. How this episode is going to work and how all of our episodes really work, we are going to give a brief synopsis as well as some trigger warnings for the book. That way you know what you're heading into. Then we will reveal our song choices. After we reveal our song choices, then we will be moving into what we like to call spoiler territory. This is where if you would like to read the book on your own, if you've been holding out, I would recommend pausing and coming back after you've read it because we will be talking about anything and everything that happens cover to cover of this book. Yes. Dear Reader. So some of the trigger warnings for this book, it deals with grief, suicide, death, sexual content, mental illness, as well as pregnancy. There's a few other things, too, so as always, check your triggers before you head in. All right, I'm going to give you a short and sweet synopsis that I think will draw you into this book and why we like it so much. An overworked book publicist with a perfectly planned future hits a snag when she falls in love with her temporary roommate, only to discover that he lives seven years in the past. All right, you ready for our song choices? Let's hear our song choices. I think that's the shortest synopsis we have ever given. I know. I just, I, the cover kind of, I feel like it kind of ruins it. Yeah. And I mean, I feel like, you know, with yours truly, or even with this book, right? I went in so blind 
Yes. I just went in knowing it was like a romance, uh, like a contemporary romance and that people were recommending it and I didn't know anything about it and turned out to be so much fun. So I think like that's all I want to give our listeners too if they haven't read it. Just that short little sweet what the bow. I appreciate that. Who wants to give the first song choice of the season? I can do it. Okay, let's do it. One, two, three, let's go, bitch. Ooh. I picked Delicate by Taylor Swift. Love. Oh, I'm so excited to hear about that one. I have also selected a Taylor Swift song. And what I selected was Holy Ground. Ooh, okay. All right. It came to mind immediately. I'm hyped for it. Love it. All right, we ready? We ready to finally talk about this? I think we're ready. I'm so excited to talk about this book. (laughs) I didn't realize that it was going to be so like such a magical type book. Me neither. I just read The Spells Love and it's Mm -hmm. like the ant like, you know, helps like create this alternate timeline. And it just made me think of like here too. I'm like, I wish I had like a cool ant that was, you know, had a magical apartment or a magical bookstore or something. Right. I just in general, before we dive into the plot. I was so taken aback by how adorable and how much I truly loved this book from start to finish. I was not expecting to love it as much as I did. It made me want to go to New York so bad. Oh my gosh. I just... It also made me want to pick up her other books immediately. Mm -hmm. Our main character is Clementine. She is in her late 20s and living in New York City. She just inherited her aunt's apartment. So... Literally, the first line in the book is, this apartment is magical, Aunt Analia said. Aunt Analia did pass away. She was really Clementine's closest family member. They used to go on so many adventures, traveling, and her aunt just wanted her to keep chasing the moon and keep, you know, striving for greatness and be, you know, a larger-than-life version of herself always. Yep. And so Clementine always tried to be that. And kind of found herself settling almost after she stopped traveling and kind of focusing on chasing the moon. She is a publicist for Strauss and Adder, and she is very good at her job. She has a couple of friends through work. So she has Drew, Fiona, and Juliet. And Drew and Fiona are married. And Fiona and Drew are currently expecting. We also meet Rhonda, who is like the big boss lady like the bad bitch at Strauss and Adder and that is definitely a lane Clementine can kind of see herself climbing toward within the company overall in terms of just the job that they have I loved seeing so many strong female characters in regards to the publishing yeah I just I enjoyed that quite a bit but because they're in publishing and you know There's some nice benefits that come with that being in New York. They end up at a restaurant. Yep. A restaurant where they are looking to meet the chef because the chef is going to be writing a book and is kind of looking for different publishing firms to take on that task. So the ladies are all out to dinner. Clementine is on the PR side. So she is responsible for making sure all of the authors, you know, if they're on the road, they're taken care of. They have just anything they need. If there's a crisis on the road, she's the one to take care of it. So they are 
out to dinner, having a good time. And then she gets an email with a SOS, some authors stranded somewhere. And so before dessert comes, she's like, I have to go. I have to go, guys. Like, eat it. Eat the dessert. You're good. I'll talk to you later. And as she gets up to leave, she runs into the gentleman bringing out the dessert. Who happens to be the chef. Yes. We don't find that out till later, but... Well, we find out that, like... Yeah, that he's the chef when they... He's the yeah. chef. We Yeah, we just yeah, don't... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so it turns out to be the chef, which she doesn't know that it's the chef, but she says she kind of, like, lingers, like, her hands on his chest after they kind of run into each other, and there's, like, a moment of almost, like, recognition... And yeah. she, but then she has to leave. Doesn't think anything else of it. And then yep. the next day is when Fiona and Drew tell her, you just missed the chef. And she's like, oh, that was the chef? And she's like, oh, that's probably why, you know, he was more attractive than your average waiter or something, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, and then Clementine, so she inherited this apartment. And her aunt always said it was magical and to never fall in love in this apartment because it slips in time sometimes. And you never know when it when it's going to happen and who's going to be there. Yeah. And Analia always said that the apartment was, she said, a pinch in time. And it says, a place where moments blended like watercolors. Like... This is the point where reality kind of blurs a little bit and it's like you're in your own little bubble within this space. And as she was getting ready to move into the apartment, she also had a conversation with Rhonda at work and Rhonda announced that surprisingly she was getting ready to retire a lot earlier than what Clementine thought she would. And she finds out that Rhonda is putting her up for promotion and they're kind of giving her a trial run through the end of the summer because Clementine requested the same week off at the end of August every single year to take a trip with her aunt and Aaliyah. They went to fantastical places and Strauss and Adder are known for some fiction, some lifestyle books, cookbooks, but they're also known for travel guides. And so... Her and her aunt had so much fun traveling the world, Thailand, a bunch of different places. But this year, because her aunt had passed away, she decided to not take that time off. She decided that, you know, she's just going to stick her nose down, continue to work, not take the time off. Like Rhonda denies her rescinding her PTO request, basically, and is like, no, 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 you are you have to take this time off. You will keep it to yourself because at the end of the day, if you're going to get this job, it's going to be crazy once you get started. So you need to take it now. And so Clementine goes back to her new apartment. She gets, you know, kind of sad because the times that she was there, you know, she has such fond memories with her aunt. So she sits on the couch and kind of has this moment where she's like, nope, my, my aunt is gone. But the apartment's still here. She thinks to herself, too, like, if this apartment really was magical, then how come it hasn't brought? her aunt back yet like over the hundreds of times she's come in and out like why has her aunt come back if the apartment really is magical you know why is she alone like why is she alone and 
you know, was this apartment really magical? What, you know, was it just all these stories that her aunt used to tell her? Like, what? Well, what was so great about it? But now, it wasn't her aunt's apartment anymore. It was hers. One morning, she wakes up with a hand on her shoulder, and she's kind of thinking back to her aunt and just hoping that it's, you know, it's her. But when she wakes up, there is a grumbly male voice and he's like hey uh hello hi wake up friend wake up and she clementine jumps up obviously there's a man in her apartment she's confused and terrified he's like i'm unarmed and she's like i'm not but her -er being armed is literally smacking him with a pillow until he gets into the hallway (laughs) And this pillow has Jeff Goldblum's <laughs> face on it, which just makes it even better. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. Like, it's a young, mid-20s boy with a southern drawl. And, man, immediately you can tell he just, he's so cute. Mm-hmm. So precious. He knows her name. And he's like, she's confused because she's like, well, how the hell, like, how did you get here? Who are you? What's going on? And he's like, I came through the front door. (laughs) (laughs) I just walked right in. So Analia had left him a note and the keys saying, you know, tell tell your mom hi for me. I'm so glad this could work out. Here's a key to the apartment. At the bottom, it just is like a, you know, P.S. If you see this woman wandering around, help her out. But P.P.S. If my niece Clementine comes by that you'll be subletting this summer and remind her about summers abroad and things like that. And Clementine realizes slowly, it just the pieces start coming together, that this man is not living in present day time with her. This man is from seven years in the past, but he's living it out in her timeline, in present day time within this apartment right now. I loved too, like the apartment was, I just love, the apartment was like alive. The apartment was like a living, breathing piece of this story. And I just loved it so much. So when the apartment would slip back in time and take Clementine with it, things about the apartment would shift back to what they were seven years ago. So she would misplace some of her items because things had moved and changed and the pictures on the wall would change and the hardest part for her, I think, was whenever the apartment would slip back in time to be speaking of her aunt in the present tense versus in the past tense. Mm-hmm. One thing, and I'm sure we'll talk about it more as the book goes on, this book handles grief in the most beautiful way I think I've read about in recent memory. Like, I think it's just absolutely beautiful. Yeah, I just want to reread it right now as we're talking about it. <laughs> I know. So... One of the funny things about this book is the pigeons. So there's like two pigeons that are just, you know, do whatever they want, like come in and out, whatever time it is, you know, whether it's seven years in the past, whether it's present. I believe that they're the same pigeons. I think they're magical pigeons that float in and out. I agree. But, But they call them mother and fucker. (laughs) <laughs> which I think is just hilarious. So at this time, they like fly in. They're like, the pigeons, you know, this mystery guy, this subletting guy. 
and Clementine are fighting to get the pigeons out. I just think it's funny. I just think that's like a little comedic rom-com moment. Um, yes. And so this guy's name is Yuan, which I thought mm-hmm. was a very interesting name. In my I head, think. I know he's from like the South, but I pictured him as like almost Australian. Yes. A little bit like, I don't know. I don't know. Just like his manure, like a surfer, but not like a California-ish surfer. Yeah. And something that like very sense. ruggedly, like. Yeah. Something very ruggedly out back about him. <laughs> yes. And so they have this brief little interaction. And so she starts to think about like where she was seven years ago. Seven years ago, she was supposed to go backpacking across Europe with her then boyfriend, uh, but they broke it off. So her and her aunt decided to go chase the moon. She said they never really had a plan, but they just always went for adventure. And so she was trying to remember if at that time her aunt mentioned about subletting her apartment, but she doesn't remember anything. She just recalls her aunt again saying this apartment's magical. And she knows that she, she has to go. She has to get back to reality yeah and there's something too like she keeps she mentions like the familiarity of Ewan too like something about him feels oddly familiar and so the next day she like talks to the doorman and she doesn't mention anything about like the weird guy in her apartment and she kind of questioned herself like why didn't you tell him about the man in your apartment like you could have gone up there and told him to get out and she has a thought it's because you believe the story that her aunt was always good at telling stories and the one that she told clementine about the apartment just stuck to her like glue like there was something about the story of the apartment that just really stuck with her and meant a lot and her aunt said it just it bends time when you least expect it we find out that vera and analia had this ro- like romantic relationship within the context of the apartment. And this is why her aunt told her to never fall in love in this apartment because there's a quote that they, it's mentioned a couple times in here, but love is never a matter of time, but a matter of timing. And so the time that you spend together doesn't necessarily always balance out the timing of life. When she walks into like her boxes are gone, there's nothing in there, like nothing that she brought in. It's fully furnished, but not in that the right way. So she goes to grab the superintendent who unlocks the door to the apartment for her to make sure that she's not going crazy. And of course, when the superintendent is there, the apartment doesn't slip back in time. So opens the door, kind of looks around. She steps into her current present day version of B4. And I believe the building's called the Mimro, if I'm not mistaken. And what's funny too is like, I thought that the time slips were done so, they were just woven so well into the story that I fully believed them. Like, Mm -hmm. it just made sense. You know, Clementine's heard these stories so many times. And so, yeah, when her aunt ran out to grab a package and came back and Vera was still there. But her aunt also talked about how, you know, finding a person 20 years ago was a lot different. So they weren't really able to connect in like a good way that they were able to really fall in love. And that's why her aunt, I feel like, was always chasing something because she wasn't really able to find that Vera that she found so long ago. Because when they did meet up, they were different, or she was different and kind of built a life of her own. Like, got married, had kids. And so just a 
There's always like a cautionary tale to Clementine if she ever found herself in that situation. I like that when she goes back to the apartment, she's like, all right, if he's there, like she's like pep, Clementine's like pep talking herself, you know? <laughs> yep. Like if he's there, you know, I'm going to chase him, chase him out with a baseball bat. Like, you know, don't freak out like you did earlier. And then when she opens the door, she's like, hello, Mr. Murder Man. <laughs> like, girl, he was not trying to murder you. No. And so since she did slip back in time, he like left her a note just saying, sorry for the intrusion. Um, but then he does pop back because he forgot his toothbrush. And then they just have a cute little encounter about how they both are attached to their toothbrushes and it's so hard to like get a new one once you found it. Yeah, she learns he's from North Carolina, from the Outer Banks specifically, and he quotes Anthony Bourdain, and they have just this like innate connection that I just think is absolutely adorable. So he asks her, to make up for getting off on the wrong foot, can I cook us dinner? And sometimes like, um, yeah, I guess there's spaghetti sauce in the pantry. And he's like, no, I have something else in mind. Like one of my favorite recipes. And then he finally introduces himself. Like, I'm Elon, by the way. Yeah. And she introduced herself and says, Clementine. And he's about to say, oh, like, and she stops him right there. And I was like, if you sing this song, I might have to kill you. Which I think is a cute little nod. Um, like we said, spoilers. A cute little nod for something that happens later down where we meet Elon in the present time and his friends say oh, what was you know he used to sing that song about that girl all the time and mm -hmm. like that's the song and i just thought that was a cute little tie in there and clementine's just like what is possessing me to have dinner with this guy like he's yeah like i'm back in time this is a terrible idea she's like i need a strong drink definitely a very strong drink just oh I can't even stop. So I just love this book. So he's cooking her dinner and she learns a little bit more about him because, again, she's learning about the Ewan that's in the past, seven years in the past. So at this moment in his life, he's just graduated from the CIA, the Culinary Institute of America. He's looking for a job. He's looking for a job at a very specific restaurant mm -hmm. so he can become a dishwasher and then work his way up. She's like, why is there such an intense interview process to become like a dishwasher at this restaurant basically but once you're in with a foot in the door that gets you into the business like his dream is to be at the level of the the chef the restaurateur the head chef of this place and the reason that he's cooking is because of his grandfather like he had such a deep relationship with his grandpa and they just have cute little interactions like just mm -hmm. you know I would love, I mean, I loved it as a book, but just watching it as like a romantic comedy would be so much fun too. I'd probably watch it nonstop. Um, but one of the things it. that's kind of ongoing is he says he's going to guess her favorite color. Like, mm -hmm. I know your favorite color. I'm going to guess it. And she's like, okay, go ahead and guess it. And he's like, not now, not yet. I just think that's cute. It goes back and forth too. And in the present time when their paths cross again. She says she's going to guess his favorite color. I just think it's cute. I like those little running. I know, like, their little banter is just so perfect. 
and he ends up calling her Lemon instead of Clementine because Clementine, <laughs> which cute, but it's also gives me flashbacks to Zayden and Violence, and I like <laughs> hate those little nicknames. I'm like, I <laughs> like it's I can appreciate it, but I'm like. Ryan, you better just call me Hannah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and so it just, he guesses that her favorite color is yellow, and she has yet to guess his favorite. And there's just, like, the first chunk of this book is just them having these, like, really beautiful, adorable interactions within the context of the apartment. She just feels this, like, weird pull toward him, like, this weird draw, and she just reminds herself, like, do not fall in love in this apartment. Do not fall in love in this apartment. The dinner he cooks her is fajitas, which is his friend's recipe. Mm-hmm. Which, love a good fajita. I bet True. it's delicious. And so while she is, while they're talking to, she's thinking about where he could be in the present time. Like, okay, he's 26 now. He's 33 there. He's probably renting somewhere. In, like, Williamsburg, even if he stayed in the city. And she's already thinking, like, he probably has a partner and a dog. hmm Oh, a little fun tidbit. Clementine always mentions that her favorite show to watch is Survivor. And I'm like, yes, girl, finally. Same, same. I would love to talk to Clementine about her favorite Survivor players. Just saying. Oh, and also, within this apartment, when it slips back in time... It's seven years in the past, and Aunt Analia doesn't pay for cable or internet, and her phone can't connect to Wi-Fi because it's a future phone in the past. So when she's in this apartment, she doesn't really have access to her world outside of it until she leaves. Um, Oh, he makes her a dessert, too, and that dessert happens to be the grandfather's recipe of lemon pie. It's important to know that the dessert that Clementine hit the chef while walking out of the restaurant from originally was a deconstructed lemon pie. Fun fact. I love at the end of the night that they dance. I love it so much. Yeah, because they start because they start dancing and then she like pushes them away and she's like. I'm not going to sleep with you. They have been drinking, so that does play into it there. And I just, Ewan's like, uh, no, I, I wasn't, I wasn't thinking you would. <laughs> and the way Ewan is written and the way that he talks, it makes a lot of sense, like, in the context when we find out more about him later. But the way that food and comfort and family in his words are so beautifully like romanticized like i wanted to eat and talk about everything that Ewan was like mm-hmm. on page 109 like it all comes full circle universal truths and butter secrets folded into the dough poetry and the spices romance in a chocolate love in a lemon pie i ate that shit up like i'm such a sap i love it <laughs> so after they had danced and they were sharing this lemon pie and you know she's like don't get the wrong idea (laughs) 
there is a moment where they're just like kind of dangerously leaning close together. And he asks in his little Southern accent, may I kiss you? In her head, she's like, this is the worst possible decision I could make right now. And then basically is like, fuck it. And so they kiss and it goes from like a gentle, like cute little kiss to very intense, very quickly. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I loved to, oh my God. He said, I fear I have indeed gotten the wrong idea, despite my best efforts. And they have this just cute weekend. Like, yeah. Oh, she is back in time, just having like like a vacation from her real life. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, the pressure of work in this timeline even though she doesn't talk to her like her aunt's alive so it's just it's just a very different mood for her and i think iwan is just a breath of fresh air and just somebody who appreciates her for who she is and just wants to get to know her and they have this spark that's just pulling them together and she wakes up to a little note that says there's fresh coffee in the pot Mm. but she grabs her keys and says to the apartment that I'll see you later. And grabbed her purse and keys and left. And she was back in her time. Back in reality. And I love that um, when she runs into Fiona and Drew at at work, like they're in the elevator. And Fiona yeah. like looks at Clementine and is like, um, you look like sunshine and unicorn farts. <laughs> What's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. Like, um, you're beaming with it. It's irritating. Like, what's going on with you? Mm-hmm. And Clementine, you know, doesn't tell her friends about this apartment being magical. Like, she just, Mm-mm. you know, prior thought it was a story that her aunt told, didn't really believe it. And yeah. now... How do you explain this to your friends? <laughs> so she just says that she spent all weekend painting and just different things about New York City and the New York City travel guide she picked up. And, and Drew and Fiona do say that they were worried about Clementine because she didn't respond to any of her texts um, or anything this weekend. And Clementine's like, oh, well, my aunt's apartment, the reception's just really bad. Mm-hmm. And she didn't even look at her phone. And, you know, like we said earlier, cell service wasn't the same seven years ago. Yep. And those text messages haven't been sent. And, her, like, her friends know something's up. So Fiona kind of presses later in the day and is like, something else happened this weekend. I can tell. Yeah. Like, she's like, all right, so you painted all weekend and you didn't check your phone. Two things that you'd never do. And um, that's when sometimes like, okay, maybe I sh- can complain about a little bit of it. You know, not everything that happened, but um, she does let her friends know that she met somebody this weekend. She does describe him, you know, a little bit, just saying that he's living in the building for the summer just seven years ago. Yeah, like it's true. It's just like right? a little off. Yeah, just omitting some of it. And so, of course, her friends are like, did you kiss him? Did you spend the night? Tell me everything. Is he cute? 
What does he look like? What was his name? She's like, and so Clementine says, Ewan. She's like, oh, I don't know. We just had dinner together all weekend. <laughs> <laughs> and then her friends are just, just cracked me up because that's how I would be with my friends too. Like, oh my gosh, what if you get married? What if he's your soulmate? Wait, what's his last name? <laughs> <laughs> and then when Clementine doesn't know, she's like, her friends are like, uh, you spent the entire weekend with him and you didn't get his last name. <laughs> I just, I feel like every interaction in this book was like so well done and so cute and oh like the the time moves on kind of after that too though and she doesn't see him again for a while the apartment does not shift back for a minute so the summer's kind of passing through fiona and drew force her to go out on a date with a man named elliot and fine guy you know drew and fiona are like he is perfect and as they're leaving in the subway, apparently Clementine got into a fight with him over Dune and she was like, it's not my fault. His opinion is wrong. And it's very clear that it's not going to work out between her and Ellie. <laughs> <laughs> and so while they're on the subway too, there's two girls that are looking at their phones and start gossiping mm -hmm. and they're like, oh my God. Boxy Gossip says he was just spotted in Soho coming out of his restaurant. Another girl's like, the new one? Yes. Was he <laughs> with anyone? No, I think he's single again. You know, they're definitely talking about the chef that wrote the book because he's this dreamy new upcoming chef or this dreamy chef that's opening up his own restaurant and about to um, have a best-selling book. So, yeah. People are gossiping about him. This mysterious chef as they're enjoying their time over the fourth of july and through the summer drew says that they get a proposal in at work and this proposal is actually from james ashton the chef at the olive branch the restaurant that they had gone to and they were trying to get a book deal with so they're gonna have a meeting with him see if they can pitch ideas to each other and if him and his team are going to be picking them up as the publishers of this shoe-in for a bestseller. Mm -hmm. And they need him. So when they talk about this proposal, they are out to lunch and they are getting lunch from a food truck. And there's a couple of food trucks there. Uh, Clementine says that she's loyal to the grilled cheese food truck, which I feel you. A good grilled cheese is hard to mm -hmm. come by. Um, and, but there's another food truck there too. That's a fajita food, food truck. And she says the line is wrapped around the block. It smells so good, but she thinks to herself, hmm, they probably aren't as good as the fajitas that Iwan made me the first night. Yeah. And so like Brit said, they, the publishing company needs to snag James Ashton because they lost their big name chef. Um, Basil Ray, which I think is a fun name. Yeah. They lost Basil Ray to another publishing company. So they really need this book deal to kind of bring in that revenue for the company. Yeah. So Drew is telling Clementine to prepare for this meeting by reading some of James's articles that he's written. She wants him to write a memoir, but they're leaning toward a cookbook, all of that fun stuff. 
And as she's reading this article, Clementine has this like very odd sense come over her. This like odd sense of familiarity, this the words, and there's one particular line in this. There's a little paragraph, but the last line of it says, love in a lemon pie. And in that moment, the doors open and she's like, surely I am mistaken. Surely something is not right here. Her page loads. She notices a man in like professional uniform. He's older, but he has the same eyes and the same smile. And James Ashton, the head chef, the one they're trying to get this book deal for, is Ewan. Seven years in the future. Did you see that coming? Did you already pull that together? Mm-hmm. I didn't. No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> nope. <When> I... <laughs> I unfortunately ruined it for myself by figuring it out as soon as she ran into him at the restaurant. Oh, yeah. I didn't. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. I think I, like, kind of thought about it a little bit later, but not... I don't know. I just... I just let this book I, be a book, and I just wrote it out. <laughs> I love that, though. I wish that my brain didn't make that connection, because, like, even though I was still like, oh, my God, it's real, I, like, had made the connection in my brain. So I yeah. definitely felt it early on, but I still, I'm still sitting here like... <laughs> So the next chapter, she finds out that James Ashton is Ewan. She is watering her plant and is talking to it and has named it Helga. Jenny is just <laughs> funny. Because doesn't she do it? Um, doesn't he name his knives and she like names it after one of his knives? Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. Because she questions him when he starts naming his knife. He's like, this is Bertha. And she's like, what? <laughs> it's like, oh, all, all good chefs do it and name their knives. Yeah. <laughs> and so she's thinking to herself, like, okay, like, he wasn't dead. Because she couldn't find him because she was searching Yuan. And, you know, now he's known as James Ashton. Um, so she was kind of worried, like, oh, my gosh, does he not exist anymore? Like, who is this guy? Mm-hmm. Then we're at the meeting with them, and she has the moment. She's running late to the meeting. She walks in, makes eye contact with him, and she knows, like, she's fucked at this point. Like, he is the same but so different. He, like, he lost the beard that she had saw when she stalked him on Instagram. For her, she's like... Her stomach just plummeted into her toes and she is like, what am I gonna do now? <laughs> I just, I love a romance novel that I'm rooting for them the whole time. And mm-hmm. to that, what I liked about this one, you know, some of the gripes that we've had with previous romance novels, like the miscommunication or, you know, different things like that. I liked that here it was the seven years. Like, that is what was yeah. kind of the trope, you know, is that, like, time slip. Um, 
which I thought was a yeah. very fun and it's just so refreshing. Mm -hmm. Like, I think I've seen a lot of people call it the third act breakup in a lot of romance books where in the last 20% of the book, 25%, they break up and you have to go through the pain and agony of one of them figuring their shit out to get back together. But yeah, I just I like that the conflict was around this like super unique concept that I haven't read anything quite like this. I wish it came with a cookbook, though. Yeah. Like, I want to know how to make those fajitas. I know. The lemon pie, like... Mm. Where's the cookbook? Right? Ashley. <laughs> I thought it was interesting how, like, his agent, James's, approached kind of what publishing firm is going to get the book. That, like, there's this weird acquisition process... Andrew's like, yep, we're going to play into it. Like, we're going to go for it. We need this. That they're really hoping to make it to the next round. You know, basically, all these publishing firms are trying to snag this book. And we will see who gets it. The next day, they find out, though, that they did not make it to the next round. That James and his agent had rejected their offer, their proposal. They don't make it to the next round. And Clementine starts thinking that it's her fault, you know, that James doesn't want to work with her, that he remembered her, and that she was the reason why they rejected the offer. And so from there, too, Clementine just feels like there's bad luck just piling up that Rhonda found out. And Rhonda's, you know, upset, saying, like, we, I thought we'd make it at least to the next round, like back to the drawing uh -huh. board. Like, I guess, you know, Let's figure out something. You know, Clementine just is like piling up like, oh my gosh, it's my fault. And I like this part. It's like, by the time five o'clock rolled around, I'd plotted four different ways to kill James Ashton and make it look like an accident. <laughs> <laughs> she goes and talks to Drew and just kind of checks in and is like, hey, how are you holding up? And Drew's like, you know, it's not the first time I've lost a bid, but thanks for checking in on me. Clementine just feels regret. She feels like it's all her fault. James remembered her and, you know, something must have happened. And so she goes home and finally she slipped back in time. Because remember this, like, there's been a huge gap where she has not seen Iwan back in their, you know, yeah, love shack, their love apartment seven years it was ago. Six, six weeks, I think, was the gap before he appeared again. Yeah. Crazy. She gets back to the apartment and Iwan's there cooking her food and so over dinner you know Iwan talks about her paintings and is like these are perfect like I want to hang these in my future restaurant and hmm. you know she's just coming off of like the proposal and how she feels like James and Iwan are just very different people in their stages of lives and she's yep. like you know I don't I don't really think it's your aesthetic and he's like no it is and She's like, well, I don't really take commissions. And he's like, well, how about a trade? I'll take this and you can have dinner at my restaurant for like. I'm like, oh, I know. And he remembered what kind of wine she liked. And so he got it just in case she decided to come back. Because to Iwan too, like, he didn't know if she was ever going to show back up again. Like, they didn't yeah. change any information really. Like, he knew that he was subletting from her aunt. But like, that was it. 
And she has like a slip of the tongue and she calls him James Ewan Ashton. And mm-hmm. he's like, I, I don't think I ever told you my first name. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah you did. You did. You did. <laughs> <laughs> like gaslighting him. She actually tells him kind of about his situation in the future. It just says it very vaguely like that. That there's this author that they're in um, auction for and all the bidders were supposed to make it to the next round, but they weren't, you know, she's just trying to get his opinion. Like, what would you do? So Iwan asks, like, do you know why he passed and on um, your proposal? Clementine, of course, thinks it's because of her, and she, but she still says, like, I don't know. And so Iwan's advice is you could, you could go convince him. He continues and is like, it's a pity he isn't a chef. In restaurants, a good kitchen is a good team. We all work off each other, and most of the time, it's better if we all like each other, too. My friends have been in places where everyone kept snipping at each other, and it was so awful. People are the most important thing in the kitchen. That kind of sticks with her, like, you you believe that? You know, because who he is, like, down the line is kind of different than what he's saying right now. Yep. And so it kind of clicked to her, like, that was it. I had to appeal to the chef in him, the one who told me this exact thing. She's like, I know it's a long shot, but she tells him, you're a genius, Elon. <laughs> I love in that part, too, like, as she's leaving, she, like, kisses him really quick and then runs away. But he pulls her back in and is like, no, 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 this is, like, going to be incentive for you to come back. And I was like, oh, oh, I love it. <laughs> And she did promise to come back, even though technically it's not up to her. Nope. She decides to leave the apartment, hail a cab, and head down to the Olive Branch to try to run into James Ewan Ashton. And she remembers something that her aunt always told, like said was, pretend to belong until you do. <laughs> so she kind of used that when she showed up to the restaurant to try to see the head chef, which... Everyone probably wants to see the head chef, especially if he is somebody that people are gossiping about on the subway, that, you know, tabloids are saying if he's single or not. So he's definitely somebody that people want to see. So she says that she is from a magazine from Women's Health, (laughs) (laughs) which is funny. She's like, you know, it's an article about good women's hearts racing. I... (laughs) Like, why not like, something about food? Like, I just don't... Literally <laughs> anything about food. I'm like, come on, Clementine. <laughs> and then so she just walks right back to the kitchen. She does get him pulled aside. And she asks him, like, was this because of me? Like, was this because of us? Because at this point, all they've done is, like, kiss and hang out in the kitchen. And so she's like, we just kissed. Like, what is the big deal about this and he's like this is a terrible idea you know we shouldn't work together like do you think this is gonna work and she makes the pitch she makes the case for Strauss and Adder like Drew's gonna work for you I'm damn good at my job they will treat you well she ends up using his words against him to what she calls her out on you know she's like well you have to admit like that was a good it's a good move (laughs) he does say like it's quite endearing and also a little bit sexy and that's where you're like, hold on, what's what's brewing? How is this going to work? He ends up reconsidering because he admits that at the end of the day that he thought she 
would not want to work with him. But at this point, he's processed their entire relationship because it's seven years later. She has not because it's still continuing, like, at the same time. So it's just this, like, really complex, layered situation we have going on here. After Clementine, you know, pulling, like, an audible and going to the restaurant, once the team at um, Strauss and Adder found out that they are moving on to the next round, Drew, like, goes crazy. She starts yep. pulling all the cookbooks off the shelves because round two is a cooking class. Which I think is kind of fun. Yeah. I do like that. Clementine gets a package at work that must have been delayed or something because it was from her aunt. We kind of learn what happened to Analia and we learned that she did die by suicide and we have this kind of inner monologue that I thought was really beautiful about how you're missing her and you're missing the life and the adventure that she had and trying not to blame her in the same breath because there's demons and monsters that were hiding beneath that you didn't get to see and she tackles a little bit more of her aunt like a little bit of that at the beginning but I think from here to the end how it's kind of woven through the pieces of her aunt where she gets traits from the beauty that she had found within the apartment I don't know I just I mentioned it earlier too but I just think that it handled grief in a very human way like it wasn't the like it wasn't perfect but it was if that makes sense like it was just raw and like a really amazing way to describe how it feels to lose someone in that capacity yeah no I agree I felt like it was very you could feel the emotion behind it <laughs> she was showing us, not telling us. Yes. Yes. Exactly. So then it came time for them to cook. And Drew's like, all right, this is the plan. I do all the cooking. You do all the chopping. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, Drew did not trust Clementine's cooking skills. So they have to cook raviolis. And it's one of the Olive Branch's specialties. And when James came over to Drew and Clementine's station, he kind of paused and he's like, they look. And he stopped and <laughs> Clementine, her narration, right, is like, like vaginas. Not that any of us were going <laughs> to say it. <laughs> and so Clementine interjects and is like, like the Olive Branch's specialty. <laughs> and then Drew just like, it's like, oh my God. She kind of saw like a crack in his facade and just kind of a little bit back to like the person that she knows seven years ago. He's like, how how did you guys even manage manage this? And she was like, I don't, they just kept falling apart. So we just uh, squished them together. <laughs> and James is like, okay, they'll taste great. I'm sure. <laughs> and... Drew, of course, like freaks out as soon as he goes and is like, Clementine, I can't believe you said that they look like this, the olive branch's specialty. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Clementine's like, well, what would you rather me say? They look, they look like vulvas? <laughs> like, oh my gosh. And so the cooking class is over and they all leave. And of course, Clementine's Uber is the last one to show. 
And so everyone's gone and she's sitting outside the restaurant and the Uber's like circling another block and she's like, all right, well, I don't know if this Uber is actually going to come. And so she's standing outside the restaurant and none other does James appear. And mm-hmm. he immediately is like, I think we got off on the wrong foot. And sometimes like, we don't drag me into your bad decisions. And sometimes like, just thinking like, no, my Uber is not going to come pick me up. He just asked her, are you hungry? And she's like, yep, I am. What do you have in mind? And they just started walking and they find themselves at a food truck, but not just any food truck. Nope. They're at your mama's fajitas. (laughs) And so we find out that the people that run the food truck are um, Iwan's friends. I just like his friend Miguel and Miguel greets Iwan and is like, What's the occasion? I thought we weren't going to see you till this weekend. You're here to ask for a job. Which I just thought was cute. Miguel asks, who's this? You know, to um, gesturing to Clementine, who Iwan brought with him. And he introduced him, this is Lemon. Miguel's like, nice to meet you. How'd you end up with this guy? And immediately Clementine's like, oh, we're, we're not together. Uh, I was just waiting for an Uber and um, we were at a cooking class. And I just, and Iwan's like, We've known each other for a while. Old acquaintances. Clementine's like, yeah, yeah, that, that. <laughs> and Miguel is just like immediately suspicious. Like, mm, okay. And then we hear another voice. It's like, hey, asshole, you leave me in here all, al- all alone? And um, Miguel's like, Isa, Iwan's here. And Isa's response is just, tell him to get in line then. <laughs> Which I thought was funny. <laughs> Yeah, I love the dynamic of their friendship. Miguel's like, no, he's here with a date. (laughs) Then it, like, clicks to Clementine, like, oh, you did it. You actually did bully your friend (laughs) with the fajita recipe (laughs) and opening a food truck. Yep. That's when he realizes, like, oh, yeah, I did make you fajitas on that first night. He's like, these are, these are better. And they just have, like, a cute little banter once Miguel and Issa are done cooking. They they join um, James and Clementine at the bench. But while James and Clementine are talking, she asks him, like, flat out, like, why didn't you come find me then? Like, over the last seven years. And his response is just, would you have believed me? Mm-hmm. And so the next chapter they talk about, and she's like, I just, I don't understand what you mean. And so his response is just, then let me set the scene. Seven years ago, you're what, uh, 22 I find you and I'm a stranger because you won't know me for another seven years. And that's when Clementine's like, wait, you you know? You know, talking about like the magical apartment and knowing about the time slip and everything. So when Miguel and Issa sit down and join them, they just kind of go back and forth. You know, they seem like cool people to hang out with. Just, yeah. And they talk about how they all got these tattoos about with different kitchen utensils. And so Clementine's like, well, what utensil would I be? What would I get? Mm-hmm. And it was like, you wouldn't. You'd get a paintbrush because you're a painter. Mm. After Miguel sings this My Darling Clementine song, and she's starting to put the pieces together that she's the only Clementine. She's been the only girl that he has talked about like this. And she straight up asks him, she's like, was there... You know, how many how many girls do you know named Clementine? 
and he's just like only the one he's like yeah she's also she's smart and talented and beautiful and oh then they have a moment where she's like she calls him not me actually crying right now i don't <laughs> I love you guys. I love this book so much. I, Hannah, you're going to make me cry. I, oh <laughs> my God, do I love it. And she's just calling him like, saying like he was an adventure, like all of this travel that she had done with her aunt and all of this was leading her back to him. Like this was an adventure that she wanted to go on with him as a person. And even though he had changed, she still had those like butterfly, tumbly, she called them pop rocks feelings. She reached up to him and kind of traced his face with her hand a little. And she was just hoping that he would kiss her, just hoping. And instead, he pulls away and is like, she is supremely off limits. And he says, always the wrong time, isn't it, Lemon? And as we know, love isn't a matter of time. It's a matter of timing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just... It hurt me. But she left him. They parted ways. Went back to the apartment. And immediately, she's back in time with Ewan James seven years ago. After she literally just left him. And I can't even imagine the the rush like the head spin that you must get from interacting with him and then going to his past self and not like revealing too much of who he is to him while also maintaining like the two separate parts and they have a cute moment where she tries to find all of his tattoos and mm -hmm. when she does she's like what's my prize and he's like will you, will you take a dishwasher <laughs> And she's like, of course, somebody once told me that that was the most important role in the kitchen. And she has a moment where she thinks, my aunt's role is broken. Like my, her perfect plan shattered. She's fallen in love. So this is where like, you kind of start realizing like, okay, there was definitely more to the story that Ewan had experienced that Clementine had yet to experience. So that night, like, they slept together for the first time and then they woke up together and they had these moments and in those moments in those pockets of time where the apartment slips back is where they both fell in love with each other but it's just so i just feel like it was done so well where she didn't know like she knew the feelings but she didn't know them yet so when iwan is explaining them in the present to her and how he reacts to her like, I don't know. I just, I, I don't, I can't say, what else can I say? What else can I say about this book? I just want to cry. I want to read it. I'm literally sitting here reading it again because I, I just can't stop. I know this might be my new comfort book. Like if it, like uh, I'm telling you, if it was a movie, pretty sure it'd be one of my comfort movies. Absolutely. But it'd have to be cast just right. Yeah. Yeah. So after that night, she goes back to her time and is not sent back to Iwan seven years ago for a while. So they continue in present time to have these like little run-ins like 
The next day, James Ewan teases her for having a hickey on her neck. And he's like, oh, did you have like another date after ours or something? And she's like, well, (laughs) and he has this like flash of recognition and they kind of like go back and forth about it. And you're like, be together, be together. (laughs) Like, right. And then Clementine one day receives a letter addressed to her aunt. Yes. And this letter was from Vera. Mm-hmm. And that's when Clementine's like, oh my gosh, she doesn't know. She doesn't know yeah. that my aunt's passed away. Mm-hmm. And so she decides that she is going to hand deliver this letter back to Vera to let her know. Because she feels like that's what she owes her. Mm-hmm. Or how much her aunt loved Vera. And so Drew and Fiona, Drew and Fiona go with her as moral support but only Clementine goes up to Vera's apartment. And then we find out something about Vera. We do. Vera and Clementine have this moment where she feels like the wall finally breaks for her in regards to Analia, and she's able to like let out this moment of grief and they're talking and you know Vera explains that like the apartment the owners prior to the apartment knew about it and told them but like she didn't believe Analia until it actually happened like until she met Analia herself she didn't believe that this slip could happen mm-hmm. and they just talk back and forth about like the beauty of their relationship and who Analia was and the memories that they had within the context of the apartment she notices this picture it's Vera's children There's three of them. There's a boy. There's Lily. And then in the picture, she notices that there's a young man with a crooked smile, bright eyes, curly auburn hair. And she says, and this is Iwan with my late father. He really loved him. And Vera said, maybe you'll meet him someday. He's very handsome. And she just agrees and says he is. This part, I I did not see that coming. No. Like, talk about this. This, you know, I I saw, I still loved. This, I had no idea. Yeah. I just love that basically Analia and Vera set these two up. Like, let's be real. Like, they sure did. (laughs) Like, they're like, all right, if we can't be in love the way we want to, like, these guys Let's will send be. these two. <laughs> That's why I believe, I actually believe that it was mother and fucker that kept them together. I feel those pigeons are magical, for sure. Yes. <laughs> Can we talk about the name of this chapter, though, is all too well? And then, did you notice there was a mug earlier that said, fuck the patriarchy? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I do love, too, that this, in the author's bio, it says that she um, can find her watching cat videos and reading fan fiction. (laughs) Honestly, Ashley, same. (laughs) What a queen, right? Yes. So the girls, the ladies, are invited to the soft opening of James's new restaurant, Mm -hmm. which they have a little tradition that they call wine and wine. (laughs) 
episode where they go drink wine and then wine or vent about their problems, which I thought was cute. And they're like, all right, let's just move it to James's soft opening. So the ladies go, since it's a soft opening to Vera, now that we know that Vera is James's mother, is there with James's sister, Lily. And like Vera just knows too. I feel like there's like a hint somewhere. I don't know. Because... When she sees Clementine at the restaurant and introduces her to Lily and Lily's like, oh, wait, isn't your friend Anna Analia the one that Iwan stayed with that summer? And she's like, yep. And look at where we are seven years later. Huh? All because Analia let their stay there for free. And um, like Vera just laughed and was like, isn't it strange how the world works sometimes? It's never a matter of time. But a matter of timing. Ugh. There are just so many good little nuggets, like little lines in this book. They're eating dinner at the restaurant. And it's a great dinner. Everything's delicious. But Clementine is sitting there and she's like, this is not Ewan. Like, this food, we have dry ice cold noodles with duck ragu and like, just deconstructed recipes and it was the the spot to be it was the spot to take pictures it was the celebrity spot clementine ends up talking to james at the restaurant after she eats the dinner and he immediately can tell that she doesn't like the restaurant and he becomes a little combative because he's like she's saying that she misses that the familial element to him where he was cooking with love and that love is in a lemon pie and all of these things and he's like those dishes wouldn't have impressed anyone like i was a dishwasher not a michelin star chef at that point i didn't know any better and she's just like but it still isn't like she walks him through this exercise of like close your eyes and listen to what you hear and he you know entertains her and he you know hears the ac squeaking and she he doesn't hear like there's no one laughing. There's no one engaging in, like, really delightful conversation with each other. She's like, they're all on their phones. They're taking pictures and they're sitting on these horribly uncomfortable chairs. I'm just asking you to not lose who you are in this. And he kind of gets upset because he's like, who I was, like, that was seven years ago. But she's really struggling to separate that because she's having interactions with both versions of him simultaneously she's watching who he was and who he's become mm -hmm. on the same plane yeah which has got to be so weird because for her it's all present and for him it's such like a variety of time yep and then all of a sudden Juliet comes it's coming <laughs> and James is like what what's coming wait did her water break and sometimes like yeah i gotta go <laughs> like bye bye <laughs> and i just love <laughs> like the suv pulls up and drew goes you chose the carpool option and julia's just like i panicked i don't i don't know <laughs> so they're they're in a car her water's broken they're on the way to the hospital with a couple who's like going on a date in new york <laughs> uh, right before that happened as she was talking to james Ewan, he was basically like why are you so afraid of change like it's change is good and change should be happening and that did spark something 
and Clementine because when she goes to work after the baby is born, she actually hands in her letter of resignation to Rhonda instead of taking this promotion, which is shocking to her, but not to Rhonda. Rhonda is basically like, get out there, like go see things, experience life, like do things that set your soul on fire. Just be that person because Rhonda said, you know, you have to try on a shoe until it fits until you find some you like walking in and don't apologize for that part of your life because Rhonda said once she found hers, she was in them for 20 years. And if this isn't Clementine's shoe, that's okay. So Clementine tells her parents. Yep. For her birthday dinner or for her birthday. So they have a yes. tradition that they go eat breakfast at the same spot. And um, she has a good relationship with her parents. But her parents mm -hmm. are very predictable. So they get the same thing every year at this restaurant. Uh, yep. And that's why Clementine was drawn to her aunt because her aunt was, you know, this free spirit, wild, and always something different. They have breakfast, and what they do next is they go to the Met and they walk around and look at the art. And when she does tell her parents that she quit her job, they're not angry with her. She thought they would be. And they're like, no, you're not quitting. You're not giving up. You are trying something new. Her dad reminds her that hey, you had a conversation with a stranger in a cab and decided to be a book publicist. That's braver than anything I could do. He's like, I spent 10 years deciding to be an architect. And that's when she's like, yeah, I had caught a cab with a stranger from the Monroe the day that I came back from the summer abroad. And he asked about the book I was carrying. It had been the travel guide that she painted all summer abroad. They go get ice cream, her and her parents, and then she does say goodbye to her parents. And she went back home to her aunt's apartment, but she finally calls it her apartment. Yep. And she thinks, you know, yep, change isn't always a bad thing. And it wasn't always a good thing either. And it could be kind of neutral. It could be okay. So she goes back to the apartment. And when she walks in, she feels this like, like this shift happening. And she realizes that the apartment has shifted back. And Iwan is like, are you a ghost? Like, are you alive? Because the last time that they left, she had, like, left the apartment when he was present. Which means that once you leave the apartment, she, like, literally vanished. Like, just poof, disappeared. She sat down with him, apologized, and told him a story about a magical apartment and the seven-year slip that the apartment has. You know, he, he tries to convince her to stay forever in the apartment. And obviously they can't, but she she talks about it too. Like maybe seven was this number because seven years ago, she would have been terrible for him where she was seven years prior. So if he had gone out and gone searching for her intentionally and tried to pursue her in that way when she was 22, it wouldn't have worked because of who she was and the growing that she needed to do on her own. So also she returns back to the kitchen and finds Iwan sitting there, kind of recognizes his outfit. And suddenly the man in the taxi that her dad brought up and that she brought up a long time ago too, she realizes was Iwan. When he left that day, she meet him outside on the sidewalk and 
catch a cab with him and she said it made her heart ache at the realization that they had crossed each other time and time again like ships in the night and it Hmm. made me think of just like there's an invisible string you know that would have been a good one too i thought about that one and they have this this final moment together in the apartment where she apologizes and she said you know I'll, i'll see you in a few years like He's asking, like, am I balding? Oh, please, God. <laughs> he could tell me I'm okay. <laughs> and it was the last moment. And she wanted to say, I think I love you, but she didn't. He kissed her one last time and walked away. But she, she said, like, I think it's important, too, when she thinks that. She says, like, I wanted to say it, but not to this Iwan. Yes. Yes. It goes into... Another moment of grief for her aunt leaving, and I, I just cannot express how, like, beautiful this moment was. And she was still in the apartment, heard the door open, and she was like, Ewan, if you forgot your toothbrush again? And all of a sudden, she sees a woman in the doorway in her traveling clothes. And this was her aunt coming back into the apartment after her summer travels. And she just had this like moment with her. And I really loved that we didn't get a whole scene of them together. Mm-hmm. We just got that moment because I think that she's so beautifully filled in. If I say beautiful one more time, she filled in the gaps of all of that grief and anything that her aunt could have said to her had been woven into this part of the book Mm -hmm. that I just I loved that she just cut it at that portion and we just knew what that interaction must have been like yep so for her birthday she likes to go sit and appreciate Van Gogh's work with a flask of wine of course Mm -hmm. her three best friends are there too and they sing happy birthday to her and give her presents. They just have a nice little time. Um, so basically they have their wine and wine at the Met since it was her birthday. And she is a child of routine. And so they talk about how excited Drew is to have secured, you know, James's book. You know, they support Clementine to the fullest too, as much as they will miss her at the publishing company, they know that she will be their friend for life and that she will go on to bigger and better things, too. Yep. Drew surprises Clementine with the package that was basically a delay sent from her aunt. And Clementine thought it hadn't disappeared because she went back to the trash and actually wanted it. And it wasn't there, but Drew had um, taken it because she figured it is something that Clementine would definitely want down the line. Yep. Clementine opens it, and it was a travel guide to Iceland. And there was a little letter tucked into it, and it said, to detail our trip next year. I found it in a darling little used bookstore in England. Love, AA. I just loved, like she mentioned it too, she was still planning ahead, even though she wasn't sure if she was going to go. I think it just spoke to her character. Mm Mm-hmm. So her friends went off, and she decided to sit in front of another painting and she didn't notice that a man came up and sat beside her and a little girl came up to him and asked do you like birds (laughs) and he replied "Uh, most of them um, I'm unsure about pigeons 
and she's like, I love pigeons. Mom, Dad, let's let's count the pigeons in the next picture. And the picture is next. <laughs> she then noticed who the man was sitting next to her. And she's like, Iwan? And he just looked at her and said, happy birthday, Lemon. She's like, what? And he pulled out a bouquet of sunflowers and said, happy birthday. And she's just kind of thinking, he remembered my favorite color, of course. Because he was still the same person, thoughtful and kind. And even though things have changed, like some things will stay the same too. And so Clementine does apologize for saying something about his restaurant, you know, especially at his opening. He just kind of sits quietly for a moment. And then Clementine asks him, how did you, how did you know I'd be here? He's like, you told me, you said you would. You said every birthday, this is what you do. And he admits that there's been so many times he debated coming here every other year and just hoping that she would recognize him. And she asks from the cab and he nods and he's like, yeah, I was just a little too afraid. And then when you walked into that book meeting, I just, I tried to look so cool for you. Like, oh, you on? <laughs> and so he asked her to dinner so they can go check out his restaurant. I just don't want this book to end. So I know. And this is literally the last uh, chapter. The last. So he takes her to the restaurant, covers her eyes. They have this cute little banter. And when he reveals the restaurant to her, there's been some changes. There are rustic chandeliers. The chairs have been swapped out. There's flickering candles and there's sage instead of crimson. And there's art pieces on the wall. And the chairs are pleather, not real leather, but don't tell the critics that. <laughs> you know, he mentions like the dry ice is staying, but I'm going to make the damn lemon pie. And I just, oh. I loved it so much. There's also, he's like, you reminded me. Like that meal that was perfect was his grandfather. And he started to wonder what parts of the restaurant were actually him. And so he didn't change everything, but he modified enough to bring that that life and that family piece back in. He, you know, comments on all of the things that maybe he didn't know as a dishwasher, but he knows now and how he can incorporate those two together he's like you know you helped me remember that version of myself and oh i just i like i just want to sit here and read to you the whole the whole piece of the puzzle i know <laughs> but and yeah then they have the cute little moment and then she's like do you want to come back to my apartment with me and so full circle he's like only if you can guess my favorite color and by now she realized what his favorite color was and <laughs> it's the same as hers. So he's been calling her lemon this entire time because that's his favorite color and she's his favorite color. Oh my God. Oh, I'm going to cry. I'm literally going to cry again. So they go back to the apartment. At this point they have said, I love you to each other, which like it feels so crazy like for how short of a time they met in that timeline, but like they're so connected to each other. Mm -hmm. And so like Hannah said, there was a moment earlier where she was like counting all of his tattoos. 
but there was a new one that she had never seen before. And he got it, he says, about seven years ago. It was a little faded. And she was like, it's a lemon flower. Oh, I I literally get him cry again. <laughs> like, some of these things sound cheesy, like out of context of like how beautiful the story was. But, oh my God. Literally, I mean, this is our Valentine's Day episode, <laughs> right? We could not have picked yeah. a better just lovey romantic comedy book it's so perfect i know people don't always like it because it's you know that basically instant attraction right like they had that chemistry right away but i love that i love that little like i do too love at first sight because too it also when it went to like the present time you know they had mm -hmm. that kind of far away like recognition but it wasn't you know i don't know yeah it was good you guys should all read this all right yeah can we talk about our songs yes because like yeah they they say i love you they end up together <laughs> it's beautiful i just the it the love stays it, it's yes okay i love it that was yep. seven years slurred <laughs> <laughs> like if i t i literally will not do anything except read it line by line so i have to just put it down now I know that's where if you want just a happy go lucky book, please read it. Let's talk about our songs. <laughs> okay. Well, I picked Delicate. Yep. Because honestly, I mean, reputation for life. So, um, you know, if I, like I said before, if I pick a reputation song, you know, the book is top tier. So, I mean, right away where it says like, we can't make any promises now, can we, babe? But you can make me a drink. And to me, that's just kind of like, you know, when Clementine goes back in time, like, you know, they can't make any promises what the future necessarily will be. But in that moment, they can have a drink. They can have dinner. They can take that time together, you know? Mm. Um, and then it, the line that's like dive bar on the east side where you at. And the apartment's on the east side, you know, the upper east side. Yes. So it just makes me think of like, you know, the apartment on the east side where you at. So just how to like the song talks about you know is it cool that i said all that is it chill that you're in my head because i know that it's delicate and it's just you know how the start of relationship can be just so delicate like you don't want to right away say like you know i love you or just be all in and i just felt that's how you know clementine treated it in the past and how james treated it in the future was just mm -hmm really kind of where to tread and so to me that kind of just explained where where they were like they wanted to say so much but the situation was was delicate because they didn't want to ruin it either in the past or the future and kind of see where it ended yeah um, the line too that's like echoes of your footsteps on the stairs stay here honey i don't want to share is just like you know even when she was uh. in the apartment the apartment alone right like she can hear like she just can picture him being there and how she just wants to stay with him and doesn't want to share him at all or anything like that. And yeah, another line where it's, you know, sometimes I wonder when you sleep, are you ever dreaming of me? And I just think that's mm -hmm. like Clementine, like, you know, did he try to find me seven years later? Like, why has me like, you know, is he dreaming of her kind of what did that time frame away from her look like? 
Um, yeah. So I just think it's a song that fits them. For sure. Oh, I love around. it. Such a good song. So I picked Holy Ground. This was a song that I picked like immediately as soon as I I landed on it. I was like, yes, this is it. So the first verse to me is Ewan. The second verse is Clementine. So the first verse starts with, I was reminiscing just the other day while having coffee all alone and Lord, it took me away back to a first glance feeling on New York time back when he fit in my poems like a perfect rhyme. Like to me, this is him reflecting on that time seven years ago that he had. And like, it's so hard because now I just like want to read every lyric, but it's took off faster than a green light go. You skip the conversation when you already know. I left a note on the door with a joke we made. And that was the first day. And he had left her a note on the door that first day. And I just was like, oh, this is perfect. But the chorus is. Darling, it was good never looking down and right there where we stood was holy ground. And I felt like that just encompassed the the apartment itself, like where they stood, time stood still. That was their holy ground was in that apartment because that's the only time that they got together through this slip in time. And the second verse to me was Clementine, where it was her in the apartment with Elon for the first time where it was spinning like a girl in a brand new dress. We had this big wide city all to ourselves. We blocked the noise with the sound of I need you. And for the first time I had something to lose. Like she just, every time she walked into that apartment, she didn't know if she was going to see him. And Mm -hmm. like, she felt him like she felt herself losing him, but at the same time she had no control over it. And what I love, too, is this particular line that I guess we fell apart in the usual way and our stories got dust on every page. But sometimes I wonder how you think about it now. And I see your face in every crowd. And the I guess we fell apart in the usual way felt so Clementine and Ewan to me because, again, we talked about it. We've said it probably five times now, but love is not about time. It's about timing. And I think that's so true in so many cases where it is right person wrong time or right place wrong time or just one of those things so i think that even though the relationship was tied together by this magical apartment it fell apart in the usual way which was timing Mm -hmm. the last thing i want to talk about is because they danced together in the apartment this like ending piece to holy ground is tonight i'm gonna dance for all that we've been through but i don't want to dance if i'm not dancing with you adorable and i just thought it was like a a tie-in and this song just makes me so happy i adore this song and yeah i just when i it clicked and i said this is it this is holy ground this is clementine Ewan, and yeah i just think that the entirety of their apartment was considered their version of holy ground yep great choice thank you all right ah so We're going to talk about our book ratings now. Season refresher. If you're new, hello, hi. If you've been with us, you know the drill. We like to rate our books in To the Moon and to Saturn. And so I rate Moons, Hannah rates in Saturns. And we've developed it over the first season into kind of like our own personal rating scale because 
like we said, our, the star scale is pretty cut and dry. And for this, this feels way more personal because we're both, I would say, mood readers. We both enjoy a variety of things. And with a, a solid star scale and these kind of rigid limitations, sometimes there's things in a book that I liked that I didn't like that exact same thing executed differently by another author. So it just gives us some flexibility in how we read our books. I I don't think for me there's I there's no possible way on this planet that I can give this anything other than five moons. I cried over it reading it the first time. I literally cried twice while we've been recording this podcast. We sat here for probably half of the time with our books open, not even looking at each other, just rereading the words on the page. This genuinely took me by surprise. I adored this book, one of my favorite romances I've ever read. And I just, yeah, I loved it so, so much. All right. Four and a half Saturns. Mm-hmm. It was... I don't know. That five yep. Saturn one, I'm still waiting for it. Yep. This one came close, though. This one came close. Mm-hmm. Maybe, so, on our Patreon, we did rev- some of the bonus content is reviewing our past episodes so i'm excited to see because we have some good romances i feel like planned for this season we sure do so once we review i'm excited to see where this one lands in it for me Mm -hmm. because it could move up or it could move down Um, but right now it's a solid four and a half saturns which is pretty good for me that's really good that is that is your highest rating that you've given out on this podcast period which is that's great so yeah needless to say i'm feeling a love on valentine's day oh please go read this book pick it up listen to it on audio just please you have to absorb it somehow (laughs) it's like you have to get the essence of what this book was i feel genuinely i just i loved it so good all right. What a great what a great way to kick off season two. Do we want to announce what our next book is? Yeah. <laughs> our next book, we're doing a complete 180. Yeah. This was actually on our radar for season one, but we did not get to it because we opted for the drowning woman instead. But we are going to read the spooky paranormal horror thriller. The September House by Carissa Orlando. And we are also very excited for this one. Very different than the mm-hmm. book that we just read. But we've heard a lot of amazing things about that book. So we're ready. Yes. And you all know the drill. Follow us on social media. Uh, sign up for our newsletter. Uh, we won't spam you. <laughs> I don't think. I know. <laughs> we don't plan to. But Correct. you never know. Subscribe to our Patreon because we love you as much as you love us, we hope. Excited for this season. Excited to spend more time with y'all. Follow us. Yes. Interact. Give us your recommendations. Our TBRs are so long that we sometimes can't decide. So we love your opinions. Give us your book racks. Uh, tell us what books you're excited for. Mm-hmm. And also, if you could rate and review the podcast, share the podcast, it means so much. Readings and reviews help a ton in terms of exposure to 
more audience, a greater audience. And we would love to continue to do this for you. So welcome back to season two. We have 12 more episodes in store. And also, like Hannah said, join our Patreon because you get some bonus content from us. Raw and unfiltered bonus content. So happy Valentine's Day. Catch you on the flip side. Remember, you are your own Valentine. Buy yourself the flowers. Just like Miley said, eat some chocolate. Amazing. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you soon. Bye. Bye.